This is CSG, right? Nope. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there in Tangled in the Interweb, CSG Podcast, Ross, Hipsters, Glasses, Martin, on his way back from Minnesota, making his way all the way down here from Thornton. The king himself, Jeff Morton. Um, what's up, everybody? I just had a thought. I, you know, we've been doing this podcast forever. And what is the and stuff that we talk about? And stuff? Sports and stuff. Movies, beers. Would that be in the TV stuff shows. and stuff category? Yeah. Oh, okay. Broncos. Stuff. Broncos would be definitely included in the stuff category. Broncos is a way of life in Colorado. That's, that's so it's not a sport. This is true. It's... it's it's culturally ingrained. Um, we are at Jake's Sports and Spirits. You know, I was just looking at uh, this big, big-ass mural that we got here. Um, we do the uh, podcast in the kind of this back section, and they've got a really big mural of the Broncos um, playing the, I think it's the Raiders. and It's definitely the Raiders. And I'm like, when, what time period is this? What time period is this? And I see Jim Turner kicking a, kicking a straight-on field goal, and I'm like, that's, that's the 70s. It was like these, these, these really the the or the old classic orange and blue. The, Doesn't this number fifty two? It looks like his nameplate says Von Miller, kind of. It does. I was just thinking about that. It's like why would they have his <laughs> full name back there? <laughs> and why is he playing in the seventies? Yeah. Well, if you guys haven't been down here to Jake's, they're at thirty eight hundred Walnut Street. They got specials every day. They got some of the best barbecue around excellent. town. Excellent beers. Excellent TV situation down here. Visit Jake's. They got even got uh, the old shuffleboard tables. Giant patio, dog friendly. So yeah. Get yourself down here and check out Jake's. Uh, our buddy uh, Andy Feinstein has done a re- really, really, really good job with this place, and uh, um, it's it's really progressed quite a bit since we opened the place uh, with Andy about seven years ago. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know. What hasn't been doing a really great job is the Nuggets at the end of close games. Nice segue. They've been getting beaten badly. I think, okay, so the Nuggets played the Timberwolves last night in Minnesota. Yes, they did. They lose uh, a nail-biter of a game. Um, and this was, I think, I think we can count this as the seventh game of this Nuggets season that was like a 50-50 game. And this wasn't one of the ones that they should have won, like that Memphis game where they subbed out. Jokic and Marcus Hall got the easy tipping at the rim. That was a game that Denver should have definitely won. This was a game where you know they just got out executed in the last five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another tough one though. I mean, especially when you're looking at a, at a playoff race where it's you and a handful of teams, and you know once again you're you're piling up games in the loss column where you know had Denver gotten three or four or five more wins, they'd be solidly the eighth seed but well, that's why they're the eighth seed right because yeah. well, <laughs> because they're not that good at executing how many of those they, early season games did they lose just at the end i mean well, there's been six games that i counted so far it, and it, then last night being seven that you know could be seven more huge. wins potentially I mean, I mean people think well it's a long season 82 games that's a that's a big chunk of the season well instead of 18 wins they'd have 25 25 they'd be, they'd be trailing memphis by you know one game yeah and it, it's just it's insane when you think about it but that isn't that also a hallmark of a young team Oh, I mean, it definitely is. It's a hallmark of a of a young team, of a young head coach, you know, who's 
Uh, last night, I mean, a great debate from last night's game that we'll get into here in a minute is, you know, Malone always saying he likes to ride the hot hand, but then routinely you see him go away from a guy like Jamal Murray who has a hot hand and, and go back to what he's comfortable with with Jameer Nelson who uh, you know, obviously did not play that well at the end of last night's game. But Maybe, has, maybe uh, he should say... I like to write who I think has the hot hands. <laughs> yes. I'm uh, throwing darts at a board out here. Hmm. Um, but yes. Malik you know, Beasley seems to be hot today. <laughs> we'll yeah, let's get into this game just a little bit. Just some uh, some notes here. Of course, I'm, I'm assuming most people that listen to this watch the game. If not, uh, check out a recap or something somewhere. <laughs> yes. There's, There's plenty of video 20,000 recaps out there. I'm sure you can read, and they will all be equally as good. Yeah, so Denver, I mean, in, the, in this one, you know, it was, a, it was a fun game, I think, throughout. It, again, it's a look at, you know, getting to see Nikola Jokic and Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Chris Dunn, Tyus Jones, uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, whoever. I mean, just a fun, exciting young teams. Uh, Denver comes into this one uh, tied at 84 to start the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamal Murray, of course, is in in place of uh, well, not really in place of Moutier, but he's playing the backup point guard role last yes. night. Yeah. Jameer Nelson starts. Uh, Murray's in there to start the fourth. Uh, the Nuggets come out tied at eighty four. They're able to build a lead up uh, hundred to ninety one at the six oh five mark. Yeah, um, and then at the four fifty mark. Jamal Murray comes out of the game. Jameer Nelson comes back into the game. The Nuggets get a bucket. Gary Harris makes a layup to make it 102-95. to The Nuggets then have 14 possessions that just not what you wanted to see. Well, yeah, and you have the, the breakdown here, and go. we, we're going to go through it. And, it, and, it's, and it's kind of... Well, okay, so we want uh, yeah. to blame... Jameer Nelson, right? And I say we as the collective Nuggets fan base. The we royal wanna, we. Yeah. We want to blame Jameer yeah. Nelson for losing last night's game because yeah. he had, uh, you know, the couple, the missed, the Steve Nash-esque dribble around and then throws up a, a fadeaway at the free throw line. Terrible shot. Misses that. Uh, comes back. Gets the corner three. Doesn't actually take it. Does the ball fake and then tries to go up with it uh, after moving to his right. Doesn't get the shot off in time. The Nuggets lose. Uh, but uh, honestly, you know, at the 450 mark, the Nuggets have 14 possessions. They go two of nine uh, with three turnovers, 0 of four shooting from three, and they also had the one shot there from uh, from Jameer that you know didn't count because it didn't come off before the buzzer, didn't go in anyways. But you know, it was a host of guys. It was you know, <laughs> Jokic, Gallo, Harris, Nelson all missed three pointers. Uh, Jokic missed that bunny right in close. Um, that he he makes that shot what nine out of ten times probably yeah. yeah you know Gallo makes the beautiful pass he lays it off the glass just unable to get that shot to fall um, and again you know the Nuggets just kind of well let me, let me out executed let me point this out before we continue even further down this path that that was the Nuggets fifth game in seven nights and. They were saved somewhat, I think, by actually playing Murray as much as they did because Murray hadn't played much and was obviously more rested than, than say, other players who were maybe out there, okay? including Jokic, including all, you know, maybe you know, Harris is different. He's coming off an injury. Probably was a little rusty at the end, um, but a he played. Rusty perhaps, yeah, but, but he played game. well. Yeah. He played well, and that, you can't put. Those two on that, but you you have five games and seven nights, 
And there was a point at this game where, especially in the... Actually, a little after halftime, I was, I was sitting with someone and we were talking about the game, and I said, if it's going to catch up with them, it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Now, all that being said, I don't believe that's what happened to the Nuggets. I think that they just simply didn't execute. And this was sim- you cannot blame this game on the fact that they were playing five games in seven nights. And here's, I mean, we can, this delves more into the Jamal Murray or Jameer Nelson debate, but the, the main problem to me in the last 450 honestly was Jameer Nelson. And it wasn't because he committed a boneheaded foul that gave Minnesota two free throws. You know, it wasn't because of a lazy pass turnover that he had at some point. It wasn't because of the two missed shots, although those all did help. But to me, the problem with with having Nelson in there is he doesn't understand or is not able to get on the same page with with what the Nuggets are wanting to do because he's been such a dominant point guard throughout his whole career that he's used to being the point guard. So when he was dishing off to Jokic and Jokic is getting ready to run the offense, it was Nelson... Okay. The problem is, all right, so when he hands off to Jokic, typically Moutier or Murray, after they give the ball to Jokic from the point guard position, will cut to the rim, right? Yeah. Clear out some space, get get the motion offense going, right? Get every, everything moving. Nelson didn't really do that. He'd give the ball to Jokic and then just kind of stand out on the perimeter. And it's like, move! You know, you got to cut. You got to get this thing going. And when he does cut, he's too short to really receive. It's, it's a smaller window for Jokic to make passes to. And it's also he's going to have less success at the rim because of his small stature, right? He's not going to be able to get shots off. Yeah, it's a a great point, too. The the thing was, to me, was Nelson really disrupted what the Nuggets wanted to do on offense because he's used to having the ball in his hands. And he did try to, you know, he did try to defer to Jokic a little bit, but he's not used to that. And you could tell last night that's what the problem was. They had a, what do you call it, a, a stick in the spokes. Yeah, bike. yeah, and it was it was a it was a spanner in the works. It was a uh, a monkey wrench in the in the old thingy, uh, <laughs> square peg <laughs> round hole. hole. Yes. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll I'll tell you this, Jameer. It's it, you look at Jameer and Jameer. I think had a couple of factors going on. I have a theory that that he was forcing things because of maybe the unexpectedly excellent play of Jamal Murray as backup point guard. I think that that maybe influenced him to say, like, well, i got to make a play here. Uh, Murray's not in the game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just a theory. I'm not basing that on anything. It seems weird to me because it, it seems like, I mean, when you, talk to, when you hear Jokic talk about, I don't know how many points I had, I don't know what was going on. It's like, can guys really be aware of that kind of thing in a game? Like, could... Could Nelson feel the pressure of Murray, and so he was trying to make plays on his I could. You have to be aware of it because and when, you, when you're sitting on the bench, everyone is talking about how great Murray's playing, you know, and it's, it's, and it's like everyone's up cheering. I mean, you are always aware of it. It's like when Jokic says he's not aware of his stat. That's bullshit. He's completely <laughs> I mean, There was one game where he was gunning for assists to get – it's triple double. We we just let's just throw that out the door. It happens. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, any less of a team player. It just everyone's aware of their stats. Um, I think what what I saw is this. Jameer is kind of incongruent to some of the rest of the roster, in, in, in so far as coming from in like you look at the way he played with Stan Van Gundy. 
he it was it was just him and Dwight basically, and then they would kick out to the corner to Rashard kind of Lewis. And, heavy pick and roll offense yes. where you're finding finding guys out in space, but mainly it's yeah. it's kind of that old Phoenix Suns, right? It's that yeah, basically yeah, the pick Nuggets, and roll with your big man, find the shooters. The Nuggets until recently that would have worked, and especially if you are. It, Say like Nurkic is in the lineup, and that's kind of what Nelson does. Yeah, like you said, yeah. like that's what Nelson does without Jokic on the floor. Yeah. What he does with the second unit is he kind of runs the show, right? Yeah, and it's but you can't do that with Jokic because Jokic, really, in the way the Nuggets do their offense, needs to have the ball. And they actually did it a little when they played. Uh, what was the last game they played? Clippers. Clippers. They also did that a little with Nurkic because Nurkic would go to the post. And he would do those hand, you know, he would hold the ball out way out with his one hand and then hand the ball off to people. Um, he does it differently than Jokic, but that's kind of how the, the Nuggets were still maintaining that. Right. When Jameer was in the starting lineup, it was, the Nuggets offense was okay. But you need someone, say like Moutier with, I mean, okay, I'm going to, people take this with a grain of salt. Moutier has been so bad, it has actually forced the Nuggets to find a different way to move to do their offense. And he's excelled at being not the dominant, a ball-dominant point guard. Jameer is not the same thing. He's been doing the same thing since, what, he was drafted in 2004. So, you know, <laughs> 13 years of the same thing, you're not going to get that out of him. And that's just the way it happened. And I think that a couple of things just, like, conspired with Jameer at the end for him to kind of what what I call go go rogue, he did kind of go rogue, and say I need to do something, and I think all that conspired because the Nuggets, let's face it, were missing shots all the way up till then. I mean, Jameer, the worst shot Jameer took was that airball three pointer that was completely nonsensical. A little early, <laughs> a little yeah. early in the shot clock. It was like, why are you doing this, Jameer? And those two, that and the foul that he took, which was like you could tell it was getting to him. And that's what well, that's you know the point being, other things happen as you rightly pointed out, Nate. Other things happened, but Jameer, the Nuggets were still tied at one hundred six, and then Jameer goes hero ball, and it's almost like yeah, you had these things happen, but at the same time, you also had Jameer not helping, and I think both things were true. Yeah, and when you look at the numbers on the season. Uh, Jameer Nelson has, has only started eight games this year, but he's a minus six in those eight started games. And, you know, I don't, I don't exactly know the lineups that he was out there with, but kind of what that tells me. And off the bench, you know, Nelson, Nelson's had a good season uh, from his standards as a 34-year-old point guard. He's a, a plus .19 off the bench, so he's a positive player, you know, in that regard. His numbers, I'll get into some of his other numbers, but what it tells me when he's starting and he's a minus six with – you know, when he starts games yeah. is that when he's asked to increase his production or increase his minutes or to become, you know, a quote unquote, as a starter, a more important player on the team, he's not able to do it because he's not the same player that he used to be. Yeah. And the Nuggets, as we've seen lately, as, as we were just talking about, are not trying to run the same offense that they were even at the beginning of this season. Um, but Nelson, you know, <laughs> obviously he's 34. His numbers with Orlando started to slip in 2012, 13. Uh, he's a 43% shooter. At those points in time, he was dropping down to 39%. Um, he shot a miserable 36% with Denver last season, 29% from three. Uh, he's recovered a bit this season. He's shooting 43% from the floor, 36% from three. So he's been good. He's been effective. But kind of my thing is when, when you start looking at him and Murray is, 
obviously Murray has the future with the team. Well, the Nuggets had no no problem at all handing the keys to Emmanuel Mudiay and saying, hey, you're the seventh pick. Yeah. We need to get you as much playing time as possible. Why is that different because Murray's the seventh pick? Why isn't he being handed the keys to something? It is very interesting. You make an excellent point. You know, I, I don't often compliment people, but that was an, <laughs> that was an excellent, excellent point that you make right there because it is it is a bit bizarre how the nuggets have were I don't think it's I don't and I don't think it's intentional. I think the circumstances last year they're like give this to Moutier. But this year, let me t- there's been moments where Murray has dazzled people like last night um and there has been a less of a reluctance and I think it actually if if Moutier wasn't the draft pick the year before, we wouldn't be having this issue. Right, and that's kind of the thing, too, is you, you, can't, you don't want to go too young as a head coach. Like somebody tweeted me, uh, you know, Malone always goes back to his vets, and it's like, well, that's your comfort, right? You're, kind of, you're more comfortable with those guys that are supposed to make the right plays. But uh, Adam Mares had tweeted it out last night, uh, you know, about never seeing a guy like Jameer Nelson, who's this, you know, 10-plus-year NBA vet making so many rookie mistakes. And honestly, man, he threw a, he threw a pass last night just – kind of a little cross-court lazy pass right to a Timberwolf. And it was like, that's something you expect to see out of a very young player, not somebody, you know, and you're going to yeah. make mistakes. I don't want to over-analyze, yeah. obviously, which I am doing with Nelson because I've kind of been picking on him for one and a half <laughs> plus seasons been doing probably. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, it's I, I, I do think, you know, it, and my thing with rookies and, and wanting to play rookies and get them some time, which Malone has obviously been doing, you know, Murray is, uh, he's played 20-plus minutes, about 20 times this year, the team's 7-13 and 13 in those games. Uh, he has gotten playing time. He has been out there. But my thing is with him, I think, you know, we've, I've been hearing it on the broadcast with Hastings and Marlowe saying, oh, he's been slumping a little bit. He hasn't been playing as well. Bullshit. <laughs> the problem is he just hasn't been playing. He yeah. hasn't been slumping. Maybe his shooting numbers aren't that good, but that's because he's only playing a handful of minutes. So when he is getting into games, he's kind of going into chucker mode because he's like, I'm only going to be in here for a couple minutes. I may as well get some shots up. I think if the Nuggets bench Jameer Nelson tomorrow and committed to Murray as the backup point guard the rest of the season, you're going to see some really good play from him because he's going to play the right way. He's going to know his minutes. He's going to know his role, and he's going to excel. And it's going to help you if you make a playoff run in terms of having another guy who's ready in the postseason. If you would have told me that that the Nuggets that, that- – Let's say even if the Nuggets considered doing something like that, if you would have told me even b- before last night, I would have told you they can't do it because the vets on the team would have a, you know, basically scream. After last night, I saw the way the vets were playing with Jamal Murray. I don't know if that will necessarily be as much of a problem anymore if you ended up having to deal to, to kind of get away or bench um Jameer Nelson and you and I don't think they would uh, I don't think they would pull a Brian Shaw and bench bench uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal like he did with Andre Miller I don't I don't think that would is a situation that will happen um, do you remember uh, do you remember Fournier's rookie season yes uh, I think there was a playoff game where he was thrust into the starting lineup for some kind of injury or something uh, was it uh, and he did not play well. His rookie season was the fifty-seven win season, wasn't it? Didn't he start? Didn't he start one of those playoff games? 
There's, uh, yes. There's some he, game he, of consequence game where he, yeah, he was thrust into the starting lineup and he didn't play well. And I kind of came back to the fact that, well, George didn't, he played him so sporadically during the season and junked with his minutes so much that he never was able to really find a role. He played the point guard a lot that year, yeah. if I remember. Yeah. So suddenly when he started, he was like, oh, you know, he's, he wasn't used to playing. I, I would just think with Murray the rest of the way, I'd want to get him as many minutes as possible, mm-hmm. you know, in case you're run into that postseason play or whatever. I, I kind of think that too. Let's say, let's say just if we knew, let's say that it went this way. If the Nuggets stick with Jameer Nelson, let's say that that guarantees they make the playoffs. But if the Nuggets, let's say the Nuggets go with Murray and that guarantees they miss the playoffs, would you rather them make the playoffs with Nelson or miss the playoffs with Murray? It's a tough question, I think. might be a bit rhetorical. <laughs> well, I, I, this, But this again, is... I also don't think that just because you play Murray instead of Nelson that it's going to take you out of a playoff race, especially when you consider it's a backup point guard role. It may, it may not. It doesn't. I, I, okay. Everyone who's listening is thinking like, no, it's a simple decision. You just bench him and you, you go that. You know, y'all don't have to deal with real team dynamics <laughs> when you're proposing these, these things. There are, you, there are considerations you have to make, and it all depends on your goals. If you're like, let's screw it, let's tank the season, and then you're like, you don't care, that's one thing. But I think as a basketball move, you can sell – Jamal Murray to veterans on your team easier than you can in some other moves that they could make. I mean, you could you could sell that easier than handing the keys to Moutier last year. After based off what the you could see, like guys like Gallinari being like, "This kid is terrible." Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. He didn't say that. I'm just saying by the Gallo's body language of well, when yeah. he's played with Moutier at times is like, "Come on, seriously." <laughs> I will tell. Well, and he was. <laughs> You know, Gallus hadn't paid, played tremendously for this year. I mean, he's played okay, but he hasn't been tremendous. At times, you look at him and you look at Moody and you think, you, okay, Gallo, you have a point. But there is a... Remember when they dealt Mozgov? Yeah. Okay. Because Nurkic was playing so well. Nurkic was playing so well. The team took that trade really hard. I could tell you 100%. The team was depressed after they made that trade. One, I'd almost they, say that Gallinari and Mozgov were pretty close to being basketball best friends. Yeah, and they, they were really close, but more than that, the entire team saw that move and they're like, they're tanking. And it just deflated the entire team. Regardless of the basketball merits, it deflated the whole team. I was there, I saw it, the team, the attitude just completely changed. But you, we all saw Nurkic that year, and we said, like, he's playing great. See, this is why the optics and why we make these decisions in a, in a very safe world where we don't have to look at the consequences. You know, that trade, even though it worked out very well for the Nuggets and they got a first-round pick that's from Memphis that's still there, they were able to get a first-round pick that was able to get, them to get rid of JaBale McGee. Um, they, they had good basketball reasons for it. Regardless, it just deflated the entire team. And that's the kind of the considerations you need to make, whether you're making trades. I bring up the Andre Miller thing again. When Brian Shaw did that, I, without really understanding how much of a leader in the locker room Andre Miller was, 
I think that was was the beginning of the end of Brian Shaw. So do you in, think in Denver? Are you saying that? Uh, do you think Jameer would be similar to Mozgov? Like, do you think it would? No, I'm I'm saying that I I, I told you that story to tell you this one. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm saying that it's a little easier with Jamal Murray because you can kind of see it. Um, Nurkic, Mozgov, they traded a very popular player, and it was kind of like. It was a signal. This, if you do that sort of thing and you, you kind of say, Jameer, we're going to have to have, have Jamal play more, maybe not even bench Jameer, just cut into his minutes with, with uh, Jamal, I think people would look at that and say, okay. I'd, I'd bench him because you can't, you can't open the rotation up that much. I, yeah. think, I think you just got to make the move. Uh, the one con I have on Murray here, uh, obviously we all know the pros, floor spacer, moves without the ball, is a willing cutter, uh, defers to Jokic, ball handling, passing uh the con i have watching this last night he did this i think on almost every single possession uh where the point guard had the ball and murray was defending the point guard would bring the ball across half court and before making a move murray would get into this he'd be in his defensive stance and then he'd start to do this like quick two bunny hop it's a hop yeah jump off both feet (laughs) and kind of like try to push the point guard one way or the other but as soon as both feet got off the ground, the point guard would just dart towards the lane. And then all of a sudden, and then Murray's chasing him, and all of a sudden it's, you know, he Jokic, was doing that. Jokic has a decision to make of, do I try to stop the layup or do I stay with my guy? He was doing that in Summer League. Yeah. That was one of the things that leapt out of me in Summer League. It's like, oh, and, that, and specifically when they were playing the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League, and, and Chris Dunn was cooking him in that game, and, 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 and uh, Murray had a good game that game, but I remember, like, he kept I called it, I think I said on Twitter, a leap. He kept leaping. Yeah. And it, and it just, you look at that and you say, like, these are, these are things that you can, like, coach out of someone. That little thing you can, like, say, okay, just, dude, just stay on the ground. And I kind of think what he's trying to do is he's trying not to be a, a I'll say, a counterpunch defender. He's trying to make the first, he's trying yeah. to throw the first punch. It's a sign of aggressiveness. And he's trying to, he's trying to push a guy one way or another, but leaving his feet just opens him up for getting burned as, as we just discussed and you know what i think maybe but i i'd be willing to say right now that murray's already a better defender than jameer nelson just because of athleticism and age yeah jameer jameer can't and move willingness and uh i just i don't see the downside so i i think murray should well we've, we've kind of hint a lot right i think you and i in agreement on this we've kind of hinted around it it's just it, it is what it is we have the same kind of thing like here and it's not because jameer had a bad game it's because we see something in Murray. It's more about Murray than it is yeah, about Yeah, it's, it's more about Murray impressing and showing that he needs more minutes than it is about yeah. Nelson struggling. Because like I said, Nelson's had a bounce-back season this year as far as shooting numbers-wise. Yeah. So, uh, the thing that we both noticed, too, last night was the matchup between Jokic and Towns where I think it was kind of the first time that we saw Jokic mentally taken out of the game just a little bit yeah. um, because he was so kind of caught up i think with trying to best towns and there's just a, and it wasn't a long stretch to me i only noticed it on a couple possessions you know but it was during a very key stretch obviously and uh it was interesting i mean it's going to happen you're not going to be able to be mentally into every game but that to me was the most impressive thing about Jokic last year and and even this year is just he doesn't care who he plays and i don't know if it's Whatever reason, whether he had his best games against the Spurs last year, his big matchups, whatever. Um, 
But last night, you, you could see him get a little flustered and a little frustrated, especially the game was being called. You know, there were some touch fouls that Minnesota was getting to where Denver was felt like they were being bodied and they weren't getting calls. And I think there was just a little boil over of frustration. Plus, I think that one-on-one matchup just kind of got to Jokic a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, you could tell it. You could tell midway through the third it was getting to Jokic. Even though his stats were good. You know, if, if Adam if Adam Marrez was here, he would be say, defending a lot of what we're talking about with Jokic. We're not going at we're not attacking Jokic in this. Why you got to single out Marrez? Uh, because he's he's fanboy number one. Let's just <laughs> put it out there. But what we're doing here is pointing out that it's a pattern that went from we could definitely see it with DeAndre Jordan the night before to that the next night with Towns. Both of them deliberately went at physically. Now that's not that's that's not so much like a scouting report thing. That's kind of like what uh, teams do to test you. And I think that that is just going to be since Jokic is on the rise, people are aware of him now. People are like, okay, looking at him, well, saying, "Remember, like, uh, what's going to go at him now?" Remember Blake Griffin when he was dunking all those balls and everybody just started just clobbering him. Yep. You know, and it was like, Moscow you're not going to do this shit to me. And that's kind of what it is with Jokic. It's like, you're not going to get all these highlights against me, you know? Yeah, exactly. P- teams have pride. I mean, it's just, you, you want to do a hot dog, no pass on me? Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on your ass. So what happens is they, they do this sort of thing, and it gets up. But that's the first time I've seen him get it out of his head. Because if it's DeAndre Jordan, you could tell he was in DeAndre Jordan's head. In this case, you could tell the Towns really got to him. And maybe it's because they're both the same age or they're similar ages and they're in the same relative rookie gla- draft class, even though uh, Jokic was drafted the year before. I think that, that that definitely meant more to him. And you could tell. I don't know he, if it he meant just, more to him. Well, not, maybe not. guys were battling. It, I think there was, he cut some shots where he, you could tell he was rushing. And usually Jokic is Mr. Smooth, and he goes up real, 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 real. It's not slow, but it's like deliberate. He knows where he's going well, with typically the Typically, he just takes what the defense gives him. And last night was the first time where he was trying to force his game yeah. into a defense that was ready for what he was trying to do. A yeah. couple, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a very long stretch. In, in my estimation, it was just a couple possessions in the fourth where I noticed it. And I think he noticed that he got out of rhythm, too, or that he got out of the game. Yeah, I think and, he noticed it. No, he still made, he may still made, to his credit, he still made buckets in the fourth. Um, and I think that that is something that was actually, when you look at that, that's a positive thing. I mean, the way he was able to recover from being mentally challenged, um, mentally challenged, challenged mentally um, in, in that game is, is a good sign for every Nuggets fan to look at because it's, it, he didn't have his best moments at the end of the game, but neither did any Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't single him out. There's another play, too. I mean, obviously, uh, Darrell Arthur had a, a brilliant defensive stretch in the second half. Beginning of the fourth, yeah. Um, and there was a possession late in the game where Malone actually subbed Jokic out and subbed Arthur in to guard Towns, and that was when Towns hit that corner. It looked like a corner three, but it was only a two. Yeah. Uh, and, and on that particular play, you know, I, you probably expect the ball to go to town, so you sub in Darrell thinking, all right, he'll stop him, or Daryl is uh, the NBA app 
guy calls him that reviews Darryl the games. Daryl Arthur. Daryl Arthur. Um, but, you know, he subs in Arthur. Arthur uh, sinks all the way into the middle of the paint with Towns still in the corner and just allowed Towns to have a wide-open shot there. So even though Darrell had a nice defensive game, that particular possession, I felt it was a, a bad substitution because I thought that Jokic, who was having that one-on-one battle, would have probably stuck with Towns closer and obviously would have, you know, at least had a hand on that shot. And not that that shot lost the game, but I thought that was just another – um, another poor decision by Malone late in games where he's you know tried to make some offense for defense subs or just tried to get a little too cute I think for his own good and I understand that Durrell is having you know a, an effective game against Towns but that particular play I didn't think it warranted an offense for defense sub and it cost the Nuggets two points yeah I agree and um I, I don't want to be sound overly critical but there's been clear moments at end of games where, where Malone has not been his best. And it's, it's been all year. And uh, they've been high-leverage, high-pressure situations. Because that's kind of the M.O. on the Nuggets now, right? It's like, I remember whenever you play other teams, you think, all right, here's what's going to happen. Oh, they'll let you back into the game. With the Nuggets, that's kind of the thing now, right? If they're up in the fourth quarter they will let you back into the game. Yeah. Like that's kind of, and once you get back into the game late in the fourth quarter, Denver kind of comes apart a little bit. So Denver's got to try to regroup and refocus and figure out these close games. And again, I'm going to say last night, as we discussed, I think that it was, honestly, I think Nelson being in there with the starters just threw things off just enough to where they weren't able to do what they typically do. Well, and, and let me let me throw this out there, and this is just my personal view and I think it's just a truism, basically, of basketball. You can have all the sets you want. You can have all the, all the well-designed plays you want. There's one truism in basketball is that if you're going to be a successful team or if you're going to be a championship team, you're going to have that one guy who's going to be like, just give it to me, right? And I'm going to do this. When the play breaks down, it's going to be me. When I can create something that... To predict the winning... Sorry. Nate doesn't want me talking anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to find something. Um, you got to have that one guy who can, who can take the ball and say, it's me. And the, there's one guy on this roster who I think has that mentality. And he's a guy that we were just talking about. And is that Jamal Murray. And I think that if the Nuggets were in a situation where they had to play Murray in high-leverage situations like that, long-term, it's going to benefit them. Yeah, I I, I would have been interested last night to see how Murray would have responded in that game. And that's, you know, again, last year where we talk about the Nuggets throwing the keys at at some of these young guys, um, that was a a point of emphasis that Malone made a few times was, hey, we're kind of want to sink or swim with some of these plays. And I kind of I, I felt like last night was a game where you sink or swim with Murray, even though the substitution pattern, you know, you can say what you want about it when Murray came out with only four fifty left. Do you just take him out for a minute and put him back in? I think so, because he's young, he had the legs like you talked about earlier. He's not as tired. You know, get him back in there and see if you know, see what you can do. Although, you know, Murray was over two from three. Um, a couple couple very odd games last night. Kenneth Freed, fourteen minutes, um, two rebounds. One foul. That's pretty much all he did. I wonder if his back was hurting him. Yeah, I wondered that too because there was I was I was kind of watching that game and I think the Nuggets had it. 
the point I was thinking of, it was uh, Gallo and Chandler both in there. And Denver was getting kind of – they weren't getting any offensive rebounds. And obviously we know that's kind of where Fareed thrives. And it seemed like there was ample opportunity for some Fareed-esque plays last night. And I was kind of, kind of bummed he wasn't in there. I understand that, you know, he had to be taken out because of some of the lineups Minnesota was running. But, you know, I, I – I don't like just completely, again, another thing with Malone is he will let the other team kind of set the tone for the game instead of... That was concerning, yeah. The Nuggets have so much... They've had so much success with Jokic and Fareed, and then for last night they go away from it. And then you see Will Barton last night just 0 for 2 from the floor. Didn't really do much in his... I mean, he did play 26 minutes. You know, he had six assists. He was kind of looking to distribute, not really looking to score, but... It is. There's there's a couple guys who will get major minutes no matter what. Well, actually, there's only one. It's Gallo. <laughs> Gallo's the only one who gets yeah, 35 last night. Gallo will get at least 30 minutes every night. Okay, and I don't think that's because he owes Gallo anything. It's just he trusts Gallo by far the most of anyone. That's just the way it is. I mean, just scream at your podcast, scream at your phone if you want. That's just basically what it is. Get over it. Two. I think that outside of that, the Nuggets are lo- looking at a situation where teams will be having you, they'll be having hot kind of streaks, and Malone I think has trouble recognizing the fact that you need that hot streak person out there at the right time. Maybe not necessarily taking them out. It was the right move to take Murray out. He had been playing for about ten minutes straight. He needed to come out, but. He needed to come back in. It's kind of one of those, I mean, obviously you see it with, with stars, right? Like you pull them out for a minute, give them a yeah. breather, put them right back in there. Yeah. So it's a, He needed to come back in, specifically, I would say with two minutes left. He came out with 450. He got three minutes rest. Game time, that's usually about eight, seven, eight minutes, maybe ten minutes in a long stretch with multiple timeouts. So, I mean, it, you, got more, you got more time to give him some rest. He could come back in. And at least play him in, at the two when Barton wasn't wasn't playing particularly outstanding. Um, I don't know if you're going to – well, uh, Fareed was interesting, and I, I do wonder if Fareed had his back lock up, lock up on him last night. I, I really do because he only played six minutes in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of a, a strange pattern there for him. But uh, what are you going to do? Nuggets lose that one 111-108. Brings them right back into the thick of things in this wacky Western Conference eighth-seeded playoff race, which now features a handful of teams all vying for that eighth spot. Does Denver actually have an easier schedule coming up? They have, well, outside of Utah tomorrow night, they've got to play Phoenix twice. Um, They play after that, I think... I do know Phoenix twice. So they they have a little bit of And then they play the Lakers again. That'll be key. They stink. They just got their got beat bad. Forty nine point loss the other to the night. Mavericks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the Mavericks. So that that'll be an interesting one. Um, obviously, the major note also that took place recently was was Mark Stein's article saying that the Nuggets are sure to trade Yusuf Nurkic before the deadline or certain to whatever you want to call it. Um, I, it's such a funny thing looking at you know Nurkic last night. I, I felt like Nurkic could have had an impact in that game early where you know Denver's second unit came in and they were kind of jump shot heavy and it was like man they really probably could have banged inside to Nurkic and maybe gained some separation here in the second quarter to where they actually got outscored in that second quarter. 
34 to 29. And it felt like a game where Nurkic could have helped. But Nurkic is such an interesting piece because he's obviously not happy being Jokic's backup. He's too good to be a backup and only play 15 minutes to 20 minutes a night. But is he actually too good in this in today's NBA? He posts up too much, this and that and the other. What could the Nuggets get if they trade Nurkic? I, I, I've thrown out some things. I, I, I like Dwight, Howell, Dwight Powell from the Mavericks. I like Larry Nance Jr. from the Lakers. Zubak from the Lakers. Uh, we've joked around on a, a text train with Miu, Harrison Wind, and Adam Mares. We've talked about Otto Porter. I've been insane and thrown out Jalen Brown. There's no way he's getting moved. Um, obviously, in the Paul Millsap thing, you, you had to think that the Nuggets were trying to fit Nurkic into that deal. Obviously, the Hawks didn't like that. They still have Millsap. Why the hell did the Hawks trade Corver when they're like 26 and 18? I, I have no idea. It's like we're just going to help the Cavs. We're, we're going to try to stick this thing out. I, 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 I have no idea. I really have. I, who knows what they were thinking? I, I let me just put this out here. I don't see Nurkic being able to fit into any team with needs. The, the, the market for centers isn't exactly um, great. Okay, I don't think there's a meaning that I don't think there's a lot of team that are really looking for centers. Well, especially when you consider what the Nuggets may want back in a yeah. trade, then it gets even harder, right? It's just, it's, I keep going back to that article I wrote on, on, on trades that, man, it's not easy. And it really depends on other teams' needs sometimes and what you need. And, and quite frankly, I'm the Nuggets not, need a backup center. The Nuggets need a backup center. And they and, can't just give theirs away and hope that Darrell yeah. Arthur is going to be healthy enough to handle it. And yeah, and Reed is going to be able to do it. And I do think Nurkic is actually – people see his skill and what he did to DeMarcus Cousins his rookie year. Where he just – and even this year when Nurkic got in there and in that game in Denver, bothered the crap out of, out of DeMarcus Cousins. It was, it was insane. But at the same time, he's got attitude problems. He's and we pouty. thought that the we thought the attitude thing was a plus, right? Like seeing him kind of you know trying to guard Kobe, yeah. showing up to Marcus. Like we were kind of of the I was at least of the belief that oh shit, this guy wants to be like a star player. He's yep. going to work hard. He's going to be incredible. And now I'm like, if Denver can find the right deal, I'd be totally fine if they. Trade he him. is good enough to be a starting center in the NBA and a productive starting center in the NBA when he is the sole center in a starting lineup, right? So you would think that there would be a market for that, but at the same time, which team out there needs a Nurkic? And, and listen, I look at the Lakers and I think, man, they could, they, if they had Nurkic there, They'd have a kind of an inside presence, and you know you get back Zubak, but they seem to really like Zubak. Zubak's and, good. Mozgov's a nice placeholder until he's ready. Yeah, I mean, and my, they just gave Mozgov sixty something million. I thought about Boston, and I was like, oh shit, they have Al Horford. I totally forgot. Al Horford. Horford. I mean, and then you'd have to play, and then you're going to go to a situation where you're like telling Nurkic, who I think with some legit with some legitimate um, thinking thinks that he is a starting center in the NBA. And and you're going to say, like, okay, we're going to send you anywhere, but most of these places will just treat you like a backup because you'll be a backup. And then they see what he's done this year when he's been a backup. No one's going to want that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, <laughs> And they kind of see him as a guy that always wants to post up, 
Yeah. You know, he's kind of become this this bear in the paint, but I don't know. I mean, it's it, it'll be interesting to see if they trade him. I don't necessarily think because of you know what Denver needs, which is rim protection, and they need a bully every once in a while that they can afford to just give him away. So I don't think Denver yeah. would trade him just to appease him because you can't just trade a guy to trade a guy. It's just, I mean, uh, what are they going to do? So, I mean, what, I mean, what Mark, options do they have? So Mark Stein saying that they're certain to trade him before the deadline is nowhere near. I don't, did he say certain? I don't know if he said certain, uh, but. Whatever he said, it's it's not as it was it, it was aggressively stated that they will trade him. Sure, to be moved this, or whatever yeah. he said, it's, it's <laughs> it, 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 that can't be the case because, as we know, the Nuggets don't give information to anyone. ESPN, basically, <laughs> I, I I would say that if it came from Adrian Wojnarowski, yes, yeah. If you saw Woj say that, then the Nuggets are trying then to then move yes. him. But if it's if it's not from Woj, it's coming from secondhand. And it's it, coming from secondhand or not del- directly the Nuggets. And not that it. Stein has bad information. It's just, I mean, that's maybe what he's heard from teams he's talked to. I'm sure they talked to Atlanta, and I'm sure in Atlanta said, yeah, they offered Nurkic for Millsapper. Whatever teams they've talked about, or maybe someone has reached out to Stein, Nurkic's agent or somebody, and you know has said, yeah, we're trying to get him moved, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the case, the Nuggets, it would be nice if they could come up with a trade, but don't expect it to happen, right? Yes. Don't anticipate trades, because when you start expecting trades, you're going to be inevitably disappointed. Trades just, I mean, every trade. Listen, Nate and I have firsthand information experience in a, a trade happening, and it was a complete surprise, right? And The Moscow trade. The Moscow trade. It. Yeah. And it was, that's usually how this happens. It's like, oh, we got, finally got a deal, and it happens, and it's not one you usually expect, and, it, and it's not one that's projected in the media or anything like that. It just happens, and it's just, it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing. I'll tell you what, the reason that the Nuggets lost last night, Shabazz Muhammad, 9 of 14 for 20 points off the bench. Dude, all that dude, all that, all that dude does is like see the hoop and shoot at it when he's in there. That's what he does. And he, he's pretty impressive, though. He yeah. had those. He had a couple of those uh, leakouts. Uh, he had that one on Gallo where he got that layup and transition. Yeah, and it was he was just a problem last night. And that that was really the issue is you had a guy off their bench, one of the worst benches in the league, just go crazy on you last yeah. night. I mean, it, the Nuggets. But the Nuggets didn't play a bad game. I mean, see, it's the way we talk about this. It's like it's almost like the Nuggets played. They didn't. They had a bad stretch in the in the fourth quarter, but they didn't play bad last night at all. And Minnesota's been winning games, and their defense is better than it was when the Nuggets played them the last time. See, so. that's where this would have been a good win. It would have been Denver kind of really getting on a roll versus it, it, they just kind of sputter along. You know, it's kind of like when you're driving like a, a five-speed and you're just kind of not totally smooth with the gears yet. You know, that's kind of what the Nuggets are. They yeah. they stutter, they stumble, they, you know, sometimes they rev it up and go nice, and it, it's going to be that way. I think we said this at the beginning of the year. I think I tweeted it, you know, and it, you're going to have ups and downs. It's going to be frustrating, and if they somehow, some way come out with that eighth seed, you know, it's it's kind of a bonus for the players to get that playoff experience. I don't give a shit about what the owners want out of a gate and all that stuff. Who cares about that? Strictly from the players' perspective, it would be great to see these this group get into the postseason just to gain that experience and for, you know, I don't care if the record is sub-500. Uh, you know, we trashed Eastern Conference teams for years for the same thing. Um, if you get into the playoffs, you get into the playoffs. 
Um, especially when you consider that the Nuggets basically were experimenting for the first, what was it, 15 games with the Jerkic lineup? Yeah. Like, I mean, they just, they basically, Nuggets basically took most of the month of November and said, well, let's. They were like, eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really, until, until Jokic moved into the starting lineup, you know, by himself as the center, that's really when the Nuggets season, season started. Yeah. Unfortunately, then that's they, really when it started. They, inde- they identified Jokic as their best player. And I will reiterate what <laughs> reiterate what Chris Dempsey said, and this was true. Yusuf Nurkic had a tremendous preseason, a tremendous preseason. And I don't blame the Nuggets for thinking maybe we can put some make something an advantage where other people don't have people don't have an advantage. I completely can see that. At the same time, it was proven out during the year that with this particular group of players and with the way they are playing, with the particular system that they want to try to do, they're not going to do a lot of high-low. They're, they're not going to do what the Memphis Grizzlies did with uh, Marcus All and uh, Zach Randolph. If you're not going to do that, you have to commit to going a direction with who you identify your best player being, and they realize later that they had to go this way with Nikola Jokic. And you know what? It's worked out to their benefit, and it's made them even more unique, which is, which is really kind of cool. But at the same time, you know, Nurkic has is, is worked his ass off, and he really did. And I, I really give him credit for really working hard. And he came in camp in great shape. The best shape I have seen him in in three years. Who cares about Nurkic? I'm sick of talking about him. And and then he <laughs> kind of well, what ha- this is, but this is the problem the Nuggets have. You said that he should have been in there last night, right? If it was a perfect world, I mean, he should have been in there last night. So he obviously matters. Yeah. So you have a player on the roster who's good enough to matter. And but he's, like, mentally checked out, so it's like you don't know yeah. if you can trust him. You can tell he's checked out. Look at how much weight he's gained. Even when he plays, it's just like... He's lethargic. Know. He's very lethargic. And you're like, uh, it's, it's... But we cannot sit here and demand that someone be okay with being a backup. I just... We cannot say that. So, obviously, to us, it means that they need to trade, make a trade. But at the same time... Yeah, and I would say this. Don't need centers. I would say this Nuggets team too. At eighteen and twenty-five, I think you can actually say that you know even Minnesota at sixteen and twenty-eight, like they're starting to come on. This Nuggets team is not the same one from November. So to me, you could say the the dumbest thing in the world is to say that the Nuggets are the best eighteen and twenty-five team in the league, which I think you can actually can say in this yeah, scenario you, you because argument, they're such yeah. a different team. I mean, they've. They've come such a long way from what they were trying to do. They, they've figured out a little bit of an identity, but they still need to build on that. You know, the identity yeah. is Nikola Jokic is our best player. He's our, we run our everything through him, and when, you know, we go how he goes. And that's you know, how it was when Ty Lawson was here. The Nuggets went how Ty Lawson went. Yeah. They're going to go how Jokic goes. Uh, and that's how the rest of the season is going to play out. And I really think that, you know, and I wish you could say the same with Murray. You know, the Nuggets are going to kind of go how he goes, and he's going to have a more prominent role. I wish that, you could, that we could say that. And hopefully with what Malone said last night post game, uh, you can go read it on BSN Denver. Uh, Harrison Wind has a, the quotes up from 
both Malone and Jamal Murray from last night where Malone's saying he needs to get him more backup point guard minutes. And Murray says, you know, I felt like I was at home. I love playing the point in my natural position. And like I told you, Jeff, before we started recording, when Murray said he wanted to be a point guard the night they drafted him on the conference call, I, I laughed. <laughs> I thought it was, I was like, dude, you're a shooting guard. <laughs> like, you yeah. don't realize it yet. And now I'm of the impression that, you know, if Jokic is the point guard, then Jamal can be the quote-unquote starting point guard or a quote-unquote point guard on this team, starting or bench, whatever, because of what Jokic is able to do. Murray is such a, a good player along with Jokic because of his ability to play without the ball. Draft night, I, I, I went, I pulled, uh, actually it wasn't even draft night, it was, it was when they had the rookie press conference. I did a little 10-minute podcast on the CSG uh, YouTube channel with uh, um, uh, Tim Connolly. And before we started recording, I was like, point guard or, uh, or shooting guard with uh, Jamal Murray? And he goes, combo guard. And said it with complete conviction. And then that was repeated to us a lot, going th- building up into the season. I am like you. I didn't really believe it. <laughs> it was like, he's kind of a shooting guard, man. And I thought this all meant Gary Harris, that they weren't totally happy with Gary Harris and that this is going to be a Moody A. Murray kind of situation. As the season wore on, it really occurred to me that he has the skills to be a, a – I, I don't know. What, what, what technically is a com- – who is a combo guard? Uh, C.J. McCollum? Yeah. Is, would he be a combo guard? Um, uh, Brandon Knight, McCollum, Brandon Knight. Although he's a shitty version of one, uh, like I would even think like Goran Dragic, you know, where he's kind of got that more of a. He's kind of well, I don't know. He's he's, he's more of a really, more of a scoring guard, point guard. Yeah, he's scoring. I mean, he's got that. He Iverson. That Nash thing, isn't right? Iverson of the most famous combo, combo guard? guard? Yeah, I mean, but but Iverson was more ball dominant. But yeah, but yet at, you could see that. I didn't identify it when at that. I, I was like you. I'm like, he's a shooting guard. I mean, I, I, you have to look at these highlights, and you're like, yeah, the, the, guy's, the guy played shooting guard at Kentucky. Well, he's, just, he's very impressive, too, just with his ball handling ability, uh, especially if you compare him to Moutier, who has almost no ball handling ability. Uh, it, it's pretty incredible what, what Murray's able to do with the ball, and you know, even we've seen a little bit of pick and roll with him. We may, might see more, obviously. It'd be very interesting to see what happens if, if Moutier misses another game. You know, if Malone would, you know, is he going to play Murray at the backup just to kind of get him ready for that and continue to start Nelson? Or would he do what, you know, a lot of fans, including myself, would like to see, and that's just go ahead and keep your bench intact with Nelson and throw Murray into the starting role while Moutier is out? You know, I think that would be more interesting because then you're going to have a starting lineup with Harris, with, you know, Fareed, with... Murray and Jokic and Gallo that's, you know, I'd like to see how that lineup hums. I've been saying that for a couple podcasts. Yeah, now. and, you know, listen, uh, th- there is a lineup out there that looks to be killer. And it's any combination, and people go Jokic, Jokic, Murray, Fareed. I would go a step further and say Jokic, Murray, Fareed, Gallo, because Gallo usually makes team, you know, whatever for whatever effect he has is on teams, the lineups tend to be productive. And Fareed... You can even substitute in Wilson Chandler into that equation and say this: these are that common, that core right there of six people is really what makes this team go. 
I mean, you got you know, and then you got Gary Harris, who's extremely important to this team. Hasn't had the greatest defensive year, but offensively, he has been like a cog in the engine. Isn't that weird? Where everybody, <laughs> I think I did a radio interview this summer where they said, "Well, you know, Gary Harris doesn't shoot the ball very well, so he's got to, you know, they got to take him out at some point, right? Like you can't afford to have him as your shooting guard." And it's like. He's almost more of an offensive threat now than he is yeah. a defensive threat. Yeah, Even though he's still good at both. He's but still good, like, but he's had a kind of a down defensive year. And because, he's had a great offensive year. And has a great offense. <laughs> and then Barton, who is kind of one of those guys who's a high Jamal. You know, he's basically like Jamal Crawford right now, where he when he's in, he's going to shoot. So you got that element right there. You add those guys on top of that. I'm not saying it's the core going forward, but I'm saying as of this year. You could look at those lineups and that any combination of those guys right there and say, you got a really killer team, you know. And if only they were a couple of years older, you know, that's the way you look at it. Um, so, I mean, there's elements here that are really exciting. And then you look at that and you think Malone could th- should be thinking the same way we are. But at the same time, he has to deal with the reality of veterans like Jameer Nelson. So let's say that Danny Ainge calls and he says, Tim Connolly, I want Gallinari. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to take Nurkic. So give me Gallo, give me Nurkic. I'll send you Jalen Brown and one of our bad contracts, maybe Amir Johnson. And I want that first round pick from Memphis. Well, they would never trade Jalen Brown, but um, if he did it, um... I got to figure out a way to get Jalen Brown to the Nuggets. <laughs> but uh, I don't understand why the Celtics need to keep Jalen Brown. Wasn't he picked as a luxury item that they could possibly move? He's what a th- uh, a three? What's the Celtics' window? Is he is he a? Yeah, he's a three. Okay. Say, what if they move Jay Crowder and put and, and plug uh, Jalen Brown at starting three? You're going to be worse. You're going to be a worse defensive team. It'd be a worse defensive team, and maybe a better offensive team. Maybe. They do need to be a better overall team offensive team because Isaiah Thomas. Well, I mean, what's their window without the ball, Horford? So. Can they? Can you wait for three years for Jamal, for Jalen Brown to be a player, without Horford being thirty-one? That's true, but it depends on your interpretation of the ceiling of Jay Crowder. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the piece that they would be more likely to move is Jay Crowder, not Jalen Brown. That would make them worse right now, though. I can't right see now, them getting I mean, worse. Uh, yeah, and right now is when they have to win. I, I mean, mean you they signed have, Al Horford, but they have no incentive to move him. He makes so little. Well, what if you? It, the incentive would be if they could get a guy like Gallinari, who they've secretly or not so secretly coveted for the last couple of years, right? Well, who would? Who's their starting four? Is it Amir Johnson? I have no idea. If it's Amir, <laughs> if it's Amir, no, or, K- or Kelly Ol- Kelly Olynyk. Have no idea who Boston starts. <laughs> Jeez. My God. My God, man. I'm not watching a lot of Celtics games. <laughs> uh, gonna, should I look? Should yes, I look please. at a recent game? Yeah, boy, if, if I'm going to continue like lecturing you, I'm going to need to have this information. The Celtics are ripe <laughs> to trade Jalen Brown, and I won't hear otherwise. Does Boston ever play anymore? This is brutal. I don't, I don't think they play games. They haven't played the last couple of nights. Here we go. Trailblazers. They lost. Hang on, Jeff's going to get real loud. Oh, I got to switch just in time. Amir uh, Johnson, Crowder, Horford, Isaiah Thomas, and Marcus Smart. With Jordan Mickey, Jalen Brown, who played a whopping 13 minutes off the bench, was 0 for 2. Trade him. 
Um, the, the piece that the, the Celtics would be most likely to trade is Amir Johnson. And the Nuggets don't really need Amir Johnson on this team. I know. That's why you just take him for the salary. He can't play anymore. It's but he's not, he's not expiring, is he? They just gave him a contract. Yeah, so Boston can get rid of that contract. <laughs> yeah, but why would the Nuggets want that contract? <laughs> they would be stuck with Amir Johnson for three years. Who cares? If you get Jalen Brown out of the deal, you get your small forward of the future. I mean, there are other small forward. This is like they got Wilson for another two years. That's going to get loud. Hang on. What a- got <laughs> All these stupid, fucking automatic stupid. I know, I hate them. They piss me off. I hate them. Uh, Amir Johnson is an expiring contract, $12 million. $12 million. Okay. Then I could see maybe. Maybe, yeah. Gallo resign in Boston? No. He would not resign with the Celtics, no. one of the top teams in the East? You're crazy. No. He'd resign there. No. Why would he not? You can't just shake your head, Jeff. He would, he would not resign. I, why? Well, give me has, one reason why you wouldn't resign has, with the Boston Celtics. He has no incentive to sign with anyone this year, going in, resign. He's just going to retire? Well, I mean, first of all, it's not about Denver. <laughs> it's about Gallo. The best thing for him is to be a free agent. Right. He can be a free agent. I'm just saying he's probably going to resign with Boston. Yeah, but, but why would way he more co- money. Why would he commit to resign there? That's the only reason they because would give up. Because they're good. Money. Yeah, but I mean, that's the only reason. You they might would, go to the finals. But that's the only reason they would give up anything substantial for him is if they said, I will resign with you. Right. So why would, if he doesn't do that, why would they, <laughs> why would they trade for You're him? saying there's a chicken and an egg <laughs> thing here. I don't know. I just want Denver to win a massive trade somehow, and I don't know how. You keep wanting him to it. get younger. Not younger. I want if if you draft Jalen Brown, he's in the same timeline I mean, as all your I other mean, players. Man, they've got two draft. Two, trade for. They've got two first round draft picks this year again. In a loaded draft, maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll be able to grab somebody out of there. Two. Something. Another. I mean, Michael Malone's probably got to be sitting back there going, "Not another two goddamn draft picks." Yeah, they can't. They can't possibly <laughs> use both of those picks. But all right, that's where the Nuggets are battling for that eight seed. Still a tough game against the Timberwolves, but. You know, as, as things have shown over the last month or so, things are getting better for the Nuggets. The crowd is getting better. Jeff, I saw you got it was it was great. I, I will, the, let me interject. They they were great Saturday night. Is it because you've been badgering them? Yes, people, they, they people were finally listening. said, you know, we should pay attention to this Wharton guy. <laughs> Listen to King of Thornton on Twitter because he's been ripping us. But no, they it, it wasn't. It's a, like fat. It's like fat shaming. It works. Yeah, it was crowd shaming. So people look at me and say, like, okay, Jeff, you're fat. We're gonna we're gonna shame you for being fat. If you're gonna shame crowd shame us, I'm just saying um, crowd I, shaming works. Hey, maybe it'd work on me. Um, I think that. Well, first of all, I, I'm just throwing this in there. It wasn't a tremendously large crowd. It was probably only about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen thousand people, but they were they were loud. And the center seats about twenty thousand, give or take a thousand. And they were loud, and they were all cheering for the Nuggets, and it was. Great to see. I mean, that's what all I want. I, I don't care. I don't care if you don't come, but if you do come, just participate in the game, and that's that's all I will ever ask if you're a fan. Because you're going to pay all that money, you might as well get your money's worth. And those people that night got their money's worth, and you could tell the the team was like real shocked. I was. We our, our new vantage point is we look right directly onto the bench where we sit, and I'm looking down. Fareed stands up and he starts like encouraging the cloud, crowd and singing along. They were all looking at each other like, "Wow!" And a lot of the players are getting involved in it. It, it was, was cool. it was 
it was fantastic to see. We had not seen that all year, and they appreciated it. And they played, I think, like a team that was appreciative of it. So just keep that in mind when you're going to the arena. It's like you may get a better show if you actually participate in the cheering of the team. It's possible. It is possible, and you know what else is possible? Us coming back next week with another podcast. We'll see if we can do it. It is possible, yes. Yeah, we're out here. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.